the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here is your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. Guess what? Another two-hour show. We're ready to jump on in. We've got a lot of celebrating to do because we just understood that uh, Brett Kavanaugh was uh, voted into the Supreme Court. I think it was like 50-48 vote. And uh, uh, those who have a heart for justice... I mean, there's a double entendre there, but I guess. But uh, those who realize that uh, people shouldn't be demeaned when they're running for an office, I mean, on either side of the aisle, uh, there's a victory in that. And so we're going to be rejoicing about that. But I have a a person on the air with me as a a guest host or co-host with me on this show. Her name is Esther Ruth Valdez, and she has a law firm. And the uh, how do I say the law firm? Valdez uh, Law Associates? Valdez and Associates. Valdez and Associates. And uh, I had a chance to meet with her um, actually at Mount Soledad on the first of the year because there was a men's prayer gathering there and they had uh, invited her to speak. And when I heard her speak, I go, this is one of those people that's kind of like Wonder Woman. She does everything, uh, you know, you've heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. I said, this is one of them. So Esther, uh, we're glad to have you. I've been looking forward to having you because you have a lot of insights of a lot about a lot of things. I'm so glad to be here and <laughs> getting ready for the Kavanaugh parties. <laughs> I know we're Christians and we're not supposed to drink beer, but I think every Christian is going to raise one or at least a red <laughs> solo cup today oh, because no. it's not about the rape accusations. This was about the assault on Roe v. Wade. Yes. And that's what's going to happen. And I hope that every Christian that's listening right now we start praying because that's what this whole charade was about. Yes. It was about Roe v. Wade and the millions of children that will stand to be born yes. in accordance with the Constitution because they, too, have a right to life. Absolutely. Well, I guess you can tell we've got a firecracker as my co-host <laughs> co- here. We're going to spend the first hour, Esther, talking a little bit about you and your heart, not only for uh, the, the legal system, but you've been in, in, you've been in politics uh, to some, you, I guess you could call it that, but you, you're such a, uh, a proponent of uh, Judeo-Christian values. So why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about YOU. YOU. Well, um, first of all, YOU is about Jesus. Oh, I don't you. really like to talk about myself other than I'm grateful to have been born here. My parents were Mexican immigrants. I'm the daughter and sister to three immigrants from Mexico. And since we were um, brought here to the United States, we recognize this as a Christian nation. So uh, that was part of the inheritance that this uh, that the founders gave to this nation and something that we have to carry over. For the last 15 years, I've been practicing as an attorney. The last two years, um, I have been a Coronado School Board member, and I'm up for re-election this year as well. So I appreciate your prayers. But more than that, I think all of the media interviews that I've been able to do the last two years, it's been along the lines of why being a Latina 
can you support a Republican president that has spoken so badly about, quote, your people? Yeah. And I always come back and say, my people are God's people. Yeah. My middle name, like you said, is Ruth. And what she said expressly in the book of Ruth was, your God will be my God, your, your people, people, my, my people, people, and your nation, this is where I'm going to die. And that's the immigrant's pledge. Yeah. That's what every immigrant, including my family, that's what we pledge to say. We said we will divorce ourselves of our previous culture and values, and we come here to stay to be a blessing, yes. not a curse. Well, you know, and the, here, the issue is, you, as we all know, it's not necessarily... Not necessarily those who are Latina or Latino that are coming into the country legally. There are those who aren't coming in legally. And so is that an area that's a sticking point for you as well? Not on a personal level. As I mentioned, I've been practicing as an immigration attorney for the last 15 years. So I do a number of media commentary, uh, most recently on Fox I News. I saw you on Fox, Laura, Laura Ingram show, I think. Yes, that's right. BBC, I've been interviewed in uh, the Portuguese Daily News, Air France, and so forth, because they want to know, why did up to 30% of the Latinos vote for Donald Trump, who, according to them, has been so anti-Latino because of his rhetoric? But the point that they miss is, we are also Christian. We don't think brown. I don't think my last name. I don't vote for people just because they have a similar accent to mine. I vote accordance to God's word. And that's what's so awesome about today's confirmation of the Supreme Court justice is because he is a man of the word. And that's what he's going to uphold in this nation. Yes. And my listening friend, I know that you have, if you're like me, you, you, it's hard to stay away from a television set or a, or, or a radio sometimes to see what's going on because um, I feel like we have, we're vested so much into this nation, obviously, and the Judeo-Christian values under which I was, I, I was birthed and my whole life was under these things, and now they're being challenged almost on every side. Uh, it gives, makes me concerned and I have to just go, God, how are you going to solve this? But I'm seeing that he's intervening in many ways. Well, I think the more we share, just like the book of Revelations, it said by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony, we got to speak it. Yes. And so long the Christian church has been coward. And that's what's amazing about the next two guests that we'll have in the next segments. One is Dean Broyles, the president of the National Center for Law and Policy. He has been outspoken, fiery attorney, standing up and gathering God's people for the truth, mobilizing the, yes. them here in San Diego. So we'll be talking about that. And also Carlos Nicasio, a local pastor who's making a difference on the ground level. And he's going to be able to attest what happens in Sacramento, how it hurts the Latino populace. And why do I focus on Latinos? Being that that's my ethnic makeup. Not only that, but if the nation's hurting, we feel it first. We have the worst schools, the worst graduation rates, the the highest poverty levels. And that, for me, kills me. But it's not a Latino issue. It's about the, the lack of leadership. Mm-hmm. and of integrity and of righteousness and virtue, not just in this nation, but in this state. Yes, yes, yes. So take a step back. I know you're, you know, you're so close to the activity there, uh, so you, everything, you almost can take it personally because you're right in the thick of everything there. Let's take a step back and look at the state of this, of the state of California and look at the state of the nation. Uh, are we, is there cons- major reason for concern or if God's kids take their place uh, can this be allayed? I'm not worried about what I don't have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. The Lord tells me to focus on him, and that's all I'm going to focus about. I'm going to focus on doing righteousness, mercy, and justice everywhere that we go. And as Christians, following the biblical truths. It's always surprising meeting a Christian 
and that they somehow are perplexed at, wow, can I vote for that Republican president? Can I say I'm a Republican? Can I talk politics? Well, politics was ordained by the Lord. He talks about it from Genesis to Revelation. Yes. And if you haven't read the book of Revelation, it's about government. It's about the new world and how he's going to legislate. And if you haven't read the first five books of the Bible, it's all law. If you haven't read the book of Esther and the story of Joseph, there are people in politics. So how are we not going to talk about politics? I say, let's go in, let's dive in, and let's go scorched earth. <laughs> Isn't Ruth Esther Valdez boring? <laughs> There's no way. I mean, this is a, that's what I, when I first saw her, I said, she's a firecracker. Look out world. So, so in your times, intimate times with the Lord, is he, how is he stirring you? Is he stirring you to be more involved in the political side or the legal side or family or you, you, your mom? So I'm a what, single. What does it look like? I'm a single parent. I've been a single parent for the past 20 years. So that takes out. That's my main priority. Um, I'm also a school board member, and on top of that, I run my law practice. So I'm in court at least twice a twice a week. And on top of that, all of the media queries, and I'm yes. glad to do it. For me, it's a ministry. One, I do as my livelihood. The rest is a ministry because I get the opportunity to share the Lord's truth and to match it with what the world believes should be how I believe, and I bring the light of the gospel to everything, the law, politics, and immigration. Because when we talk about immigration, and you've heard me talk about this before, we're talking about a Roe v. Wade problem that started in 1973, which was my birth year. Oh, is that right? And many people speculate that it's totally Roe versus Wade is the reason that the uh, progressives, if you want to say, have been so volatile on something like this. It's not just because this, you know, all the artificial reasons because, uh, you know, Kavanaugh has been a bad guy or anything like that. It's just what he stands for is the threat. I wouldn't even venture to speculate. I know it's about the children. I know that God hasn't forgotten those 70, those 60 million aborted children since mm-hmm. 1973, which perfectly matches the 60 million that the census tells us that are Latino immigrants to this country. God has not forgotten. And God willing, when Roe v. Wade, it's not going to be overturned because just like Kavanaugh said, it's judicial precedent. But what it will allow is the states to vote on what yep. we want to happen on the local level. Exactly. Ruth, Ruth Esther Valdez, and I, Esther Ruth, did I say it? Did I transpose those two? Anyway, uh, Esther, what we're going to be doing is coming back with you, and you have a guest or two you want to share with us. This first hour is going to be what God is doing in politics and through godly politicians, and we're going to have your eyes open because there are a lot of things that are bubbling right now in the world and in the state of California, and God's intervention is imperative, and uh, Esther Ruth Valdez has some insights, and some of her friends do too. So my listening friends, we're going to be diving into these things with full zeal when we come right back. Amen. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And we're back. And you know, my friends, uh, have a wonderful interview series going on for this uh, hour, and especially if you are interested in politics or maybe you're a little bit frightful about it and elections and things like that, because we Christians have tended to say, let somebody else deal with the politics and we'll kind of watch, watch and pray. And praying is invaluable, but also 
feet on the ground activity. Esther Ruth Valdez, uh, attorney and uh, uh, school board uh, uh, Coronado lady as well. And and we have a guest on this next segment that uh, is going to be stirring some things up. Why don't you do an introduction and bring this gentleman on the air? One of the things I most like about practicing law is that that's the name that Jesus Christ gives to himself. He is our defender yes. when we stand accused um, by the enemy, and he stands there ready to defend us. And he is the original lawgiver, and that's one of the draws of being able to practice law. One of the attorneys I most admire is the, my next guest, the president of National Center for Law and Policy, Dean Broyles. I had the pleasure of meeting with him and talking about how he is basically Gideon, sounding the alarm for the Christian church, equipping the pastors to be able to defeat what we always complain about, the public schools and the sex ed curriculum in the San Diego Unified School District. So um, I brought him on, and I hope that he's on air. Hello, Dean. He's he's there. Hello, Dean. I am here. (laughs) Hi, Dean. This is Esther, and I just wanted to um, thank you so much for joining me today and also to discuss what um, you're working on at this moment with San Diego Unified School District. And if you could comment a little bit about how you started to get involved with this and what your, the response has been as you've done outreach with the Christian pastors here in San Diego. Thanks for having me, um, Esther and Kaz. Uh, good to be on with you today. Um, well, th- this has been about a two-year process now. Um, I was contacted by a lot of different concerned parents and Fendi Reunified as, um, as a very extreme graphic and actually pornographic sex ed program started rolling out about 18 to 24 months ago. And um, at first, you know, I do a lot of legal and public policy work, both here in California and nationally. And, um, you know, I get involved in public policy uh, projects uh, quite frequently. But this one, I really didn't have time to get involved at the time because I was involved in a lot of other big projects. And, And But once I read the curriculum and saw how bad it was and what was in it, can you tell I, us, without uh, breaking I, I, any kind of FCC rules, what exactly it is that you're trying to defeat? Like, how explicit is it? Well, uh, the, the program they have in San Diego by Advocates for Youth is one of the worst in the nation. We've been able to look at a lot of different curriculum over the last few years, and it's um, very extreme, very graphic. It, um, it promotes, actively promotes LGBT issues and pushes transgenderism on young children, it um, right now the latest thing they're doing is they're uh, distributing flavored condoms mm-hmm. to sixth graders. And um, I, not and to be too explicit, but they also use vegetables on the instruction on how my, to my, my, make, how my, to my, teach my, my. children how to put on a condom. Is that correct? Wow. So uh, let, oh, yeah, let, they, let's do something here, Dean, on, on the on this topic, uh, and Esther. Let's go into we've ta- we we know that there's a major problem. Let's deal with uh, the how challenging it is for us to get the conservatives on board to actually activate uh, what God has called them, us, to do. Talk, talk a little bit about that. And, you know, in, on two fronts, one is uh, Christian ministries and also believers. So, sure. Dean, um, lay it on us. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I... I kind of gently warned my clients in the beginning um, that as bad as the curriculum was um, and as compelling of an issue it w- would be for the church, 
As a matter of fact, a good friend of mine who's a Baptist pastor looked at everything and said, this is a no-brainer. Every pastor in San Diego County should be helping you with this project. But basically, it's been very, very difficult to get pastors and churches to help us. Um, there have been some who've stepped up, um, but as Esther knows well, uh, the best success we had last year, you know, after sending out multiple emails through pastors and myself to hundreds of churches and pastors in San Diego was with the African American and the Latino communities, because um, a lot of those families are unfortunately stuck in those schools and they don't have private Christian school options. They don't have um, good charter schools always. And they can't uh, afford, for various reasons, to homeschool their kids or don't feel qualified. And so there's a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are, are literally stuck in these inner city schools. And um, um, the exciting thing is that, you know, now this year, a lot we're seeing a big turn, turn in pastors' thinking, and we're having more and more kind of white suburban <laughs> megachurch pastors and, and, and congregations step up to help the inner city kids because it's such a bad situation. But um, the, the initial response from pastors and churches, uh, frankly, was, was quite disappointing, uh, kind of as we expected. But, um, you know, there's just a lot of fear out there. Um, a lot of Christians don't want to get engaged. They're afraid of getting engaged. They fear if they get engaged that they're going to be um, – you know, called names. And what I tell people all the time is, you know, our, our love has to overcome our fear, our love for other people and for their well-being has to overcome our fear. And we need to fear God more than we fear men. And so I feel part of my job is to kind of encourage these pastors to do what they should have been doing already, which is engaging with their communities, engaging the culture, standing for truth, standing for light, standing for righteousness. And, um, it's it's a little bit more of an uphill battle than I would hope, but I've been doing this for 20 years, so I'm kind of used to it. Well, I, I'm I, I'm friends with a number of different pastors, and I, I see in in San Diego County in particular a real turn that a lot of pastors the, they're starting to realize that this is a, a task that we're going to have to be right in the thick of these things and not pass it on to either another generation or to another person. And with the numbers of uh, believers out there. Uh, Christians and, and and their pastors, a, a significant uh, message could be pre- presented. Esther, your thoughts? I I completely agree with what Dean has said and what he brings to the table is that as Christians, we can't forfeit that arena. For so long, we've been playing defense. Now it's time to take back that territory that we lost. And that's consistent with what the Bible consistently tells us to go out and charge ahead. We want to be that influence of light in the public schools. We will not leave the state to whatever it is the legislators want. And I love his fighting spirit. I admire him as an attorney, and that is my heart. So a couple of months ago, we, um, we participated together in a rally in front of San Diego Unified School District. Dean, do you want to comment about that? Well, no, that was really exciting. Um, we... we uh... I think that night we flooded the uh, the district. We had over 100 people participating in the rally, and uh, our the black and Hisp- Hispanic churches that were there basically filled the whole auditorium, and it was a real shock uh, to the school board members. Um, um, I I just want to share though something that that that's really hit me in the last few days. Just really challenging pastors to lead and step up in their ministry. There's a 
great quote here from Tim Keller from a book he wrote, Prodigal Prophet Jonah and the Mystery of God's Mercy. He wrote, Christians cannot pretend they can transcend politics and simply preach the gospel. Those who avoid all political discussions and engagements are essentially casting a vote for the social status Mm -hmm. quo. To not be political is to be political. And then uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer also said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And um, we've actually made it easy for pastors to get involved. They can have somebody who's knowledgeable come and give a five-minute announcement to their congregation. And we've seen when we've done that, and we did it at actually your church, Esther, as you recall, and over 80 to 90 percent of the congregation fled to the table and signed the petition to remove and replace the curriculum. And so we've got about 8,000 signatures so far, but with God's favor and help, uh, uh, we, we could have as many as 30 to 40,000 if churches and leaders would really step up and try to protect these kids from uh corruption and harm. And I think there's a wake-up call, uh, Dean Broyles, that, that the church is starting to arise and r- realize that this is really, we're at the le- edge of a ledge, basically, and if we don't start uh, acting our faith, living our faith, uh, our nation is going to be stolen away from us. But it's not only going to be the nation and the big chunk of the entire nation, it's going to be school district by school district, it's going to be little law and regulation here and little law and regulation there, and all of a sudden we wake up and we go, we have no rights, we have no freedom anymore. And I think God's kids are starting to get it, as if I'm sensing in my spirit that there's a real stirring here. A quick comment uh, from you, uh, Esther. I I really love what is happening right now among the um, Christian body and the body of Jesus Christ is that we're finally waking up. The Holy Spirit is moving, and not to liken the president to Jehu, but if you recall, he was able to unify the Israelites under an extreme burden of spiritual oppression, and we see the president's boldness, and we too are boldened. And just like the proverb says, you know, when the righteous govern, the people rejoice. Yes, and Esther, I'm going to have you stay with me for two more segments for the whole whole hour. Let's do it. And and Dean (laughs) Broyles, uh, president of the National Center for Law and Policy. Uh, How about a 30-second elevator speech as we go into our break, and we thank you right now for joining us on this segment. So give us the quick encouragement. Well, I just, it, I want people to be informed, and our my clients, the Concerned Parents of San Diego, have a website. It's called www.respectculture.org, respectculture.org. We're having a rally next Tuesday at uh, 40, 30 p.m. on October 9th. If you want to join us or have your church join us at, at uh, San Diego Unified, the address is 4100 Normal Street, San Diego. Uh, on Tuesday night, but there's a lot going on. God's people are are waking up and engaging, and it's exciting to see. Um, and my view is that darkness only advances as the, as the light retreats. And <laughs> You're exactly right. The light the light needs to stop retreating. We uh-huh. we've actually had some key victories yes. nationally and local, locally and, here in um, California lately. As, more to as come. God's people stood up. And, yep, more, and more to come, Dean. Dean Broyles, uh, president of the National Center for Law and Policy. Thanks for joining us on this segment. And uh, I, I think uh, Grace Esther is going to be joining us for the next segments as well. And uh, I, 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 I have no words to say. Uh, God is in the middle of doing major things, and we get to be right in the thick of it as well. 
Thank you very much, Dean. God bless you. Thanks, Dean. And I said uh, the wrong name, Esther Ruth. Forgive me for that. My friends, thanks for bearing with me. I'm so excited about what's going on. My tongue isn't keeping the promises (laughs) that my brain's making. We'll be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Judy Ross, co-pastor of Cloud9 Worship Center. San Diego, I am declaring over you, you are the southwest gate of this nation. And through you will pour abundance and greatness and the glory of God. That's what you were created for. Come together, San Diego, with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. And we're back. Uh, my co-host, uh, Esther Ruth Valdez, uh, attorney and uh, a law lover. She loves the law, but she loves the spirit behind the law even more. Esther Ruth, Ruth we're having a, a fun time, aren't we? I think so. I hope everybody listening is enjoying it, too, because it's a Kavanaugh party. <laughs> <laughs> and I, as soon as I, I met her, she told me her middle name was Ruth, Esther Ruth Valdez. And I said, I mean, she's covered on both sides there. Uh, old, old, the Old Testament powerhouses and uh, I appreciate that and you and you're right we have reason to celebrate but with with guarded celebration because you know the, the, there's still challenges major challenges ahead and if we take this as a reason to just relax then we're we're missing the mark and you you have some real major friends that have some insights on this and uh, not only uh, from a political realm but also an emotional moralistic realm so why don't you do the introductions of our next guest Yes, so we're facing the midterms, and of course we're going to be voting for governor and seeing whether we can turn around the state of California, which if you noticed in the news, we lead, we're one of the leading states in poverty, homelessness, there's a typhoid outbreak in Los Angeles, and I am Hispanic, that is my ethnic background, and um, I had the pleasure of meeting Carlos Nicasio, who is a pastor, and I believe he's still currently one of the Spanish-language chaplains for the Padres. He heads Project 25 that in 2017, it's a student-run organization that he um, presides over in various San Diego local schools. Students performed over 60,000 hours of community service by following Jesus all over San Diego. 1,100 students from San Diego, they raised 32,000 students towards local and global um, local service. What I love about Pastor Carlos is that he sees what the Sacramento policies cause on the level where it hits home with yes. Latino, poor, poverty-stricken children that are dealing not just with getting no education, because of course now they have a sex ed curriculum that is incorporated in their curriculum instead of teaching them reading, writing, yes. and arithmetic, but also a lot of emotional components, mental and psychological challenges. So welcome, Pastor Carlos, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you for having me, Esther. I really appreciate the opportunity. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your your story, why you started these programs for young people? Yeah, so I spent uh, 12 years as a youth pastor here in South San Diego, and uh, I just have a burden to reach young people. I realized that kids weren't coming to my youth group, and I was a mile away from a school that had a population of 2,500 kids. So I 
I said to myself one day as I'm praying, I was like, God, like, send me to the school. And so at that time, uh, we didn't really know anyone on campus. And the Lord led us to a, a teacher who has now gone to be with the Lord. And she said that she would partner with us. And so for the first time uh, in 2007, we're walking into a high school where we're establishing ourselves to serve the people from the front door to the back door. And when I looked into the eyes of all of the kids on campus, I knew that God wanted me to be there. And so it all started really out of this out of this, this desire for me to reach young people and a generation for Jesus. And a lot of it is tied in directly to my personal story growing up in Paradise Hills area, um, National City area, and really just a lot of the experiences that I had as a teenager um, growing up and being in trouble with the law and constantly, um, you know, being rebellious. And so I, I live that, that life that these kids were now faced with. And so I, you know, really God called me to, to reach a generation for Jesus. I didn't know what that meant. And so next thing you know, is we started doing work on that public school. We're doing holistic work. And one school turned to two schools, two, two schools turned to three schools. And then a friend of mine and I looked at how we could partner together. And now we serve on about 100 schools across the city where we have student-led Bible clubs who um, are reaching their friends, kids reaching their friends. And so we train them and, and we help them. Um, and so it's, it's just been an incredible uh, journey to see how God has used this ministry to touch the lives of so many of countless kids across the city. Let's talk, you know, one of the things I was joking uh, with Esther Ruth on is what I want you to talk about, I said to her, is I want you to talk about politics and religion, <laughs> which are the two <laughs> things you're not supposed to be talking about. So I'm going to yeah, turn that question to you, Pastor Carlos, as well. Yeah. Uh, th- this state uh, is kind of a renegade, as, as we all know, but how does this impact um, uh, the Latinos, uh, and how does this impact uh, good, solid uh, Judeo-Christian laws and things like that that are going on? And how do you see it from your perspective as a man who loves the Latino uh, individuals? Well, for one, you know, the reality is that the Latino youth are more likely to drop out of school and live in poverty and become teen parents than any other youth. And so that already is a big problem uh, for myself with a failing education system, particularly in in the Sweetwater Union High School District, where there's over 40,000 kids um, you know, and, uh, you know, one, one of the schools that we work on is has a 22% math proficiency rate, which is lower than the state average of what, whatever it might be, 37%. It's got an 83% graduation rate, uh, 26 to 1 teacher ratio, which is, which is way higher than the, the, the state um, level. And at one point it was 30 to 1 for like five years. So there's definitely a, a, a there's brokenness in the education system. I don't feel like, you know, the, the the current government that's running the state is doing anything to empower not just Latinos, but youth in general in, in urban areas. You know, how do we create better job opportunities and, and so on and so forth? There's so many challenges at, at every level that we have that I feel like we need to figure out how, how do we elect people that are going to stand for uh, Latino community, Latino communities across the state. And minorities in general and so there's a lot of challenges with the what, what's currently happening right now and so we're, we're really pushing towards the day where we can really begin to put some changes in our in our system 
And yes. so I, I think even today with, with uh, what's happened in, in Washington, I think that's a step in the, it's, in the it right direction. It is a step in the right direction. Uh, let, me, let me ask you a question, Pastor Carlos. And this, I need to broach this subject. I mean, because, you know, we are United States citizens and there are a lot of Latina, Latino individuals that may not be uh, U.S. citizens. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in light of that. You as a pastor in the United States of America, how do you deal with uh, legal and illegal uh, Latinos and things like that? How, wh- where's your heart on this and where is your thought about doing things from a scriptural standpoint, but also a legal standpoint? And, uh, Esther, yeah, let's jump so on we're in. Constantly, yeah, we're, we're constantly facing those issues. I mean, there's I mean, there's times where we're taking kids to, um, you know, field trips. Uh, we, we do a trip to UCLA every year, a sports trip, and, you know, kids sign up, everyone wants to go, and then one or two kids will come up and say, well, you know what, I don't know if I can go across the San Clemente border inspection because I'm not legal. So what do you do with a kid that wants to come to a sports camp uh, and isn't able to come to a sports camp? You know, how do we help people? that we, we don't want to put them at risk. You know, we, I, I want to protect these families. I want to figure out how, you know, we, we can help some of these families, but there's only so much that I can do within the system. And as a pastor, my responsibility is to care for the people, the love for the people, mm-hmm. and to walk with the people. And so, you know, but the, but the laws and the realities of those, of those things are, you know, they say different things. And so it's, it's a challenge. It's a definitely a, a, a huge challenge, but, you know, we have to, we have to uh, stand alongside with the people and and figure out how we can help the people from a lot of different yeah. perspectives. And it, so we've it, been able to. It's my heart. You know, I, I'm a. Uh, I love people, and I I love uh, uh, the people that are legally into the country. But I have a. I got to tell you, uh, uh, Esther, I have a real difficulty in balancing the Christian uh, perspective with the the law and things like that. Well, How do you deal with that? What Pastor Carlos does is so wonderful because remember, these are young people that were brought here by their parents. Yes. They grew up here from two years old, sometimes two months, believing that they're Americans. It's not until they're 15, 16 years old that somebody breaks it to them and tells them, hey, you're not an American. You can't travel like Pastor Carlos just mentioned up to San Clemente. You can't go to Disneyland. Or even worse, some of them want to serve this country. Mm-hmm. As, and it's not a difficult paradigm for me, and it's not an oxymoron to be a Christian immigration attorney, because just like I was making the comment to you, it's a Roe v. Wade problem. You've got 60 million dead children here in America since 1973, children who were killed, annihilated in their mother's womb through abortion once it was legalized. And we've got approximately 60 million Latinos here in the United States. A lot of people like to call them replacement workers. I like to refer Christians to what the scripture says, that if you choose life, it will be a blessing to you and your nation. But if you choose death, the Lord says, you will see it with your eyes. I'll give the land to the foreigner. You will be the tail and they will be the head. And I don't say that with pleasure. I just say that because it confirms the word of God. So when I go in and I represent people who are undocumented, sometimes they're young people, I do it with justice and just like the Lord said, availing yourself of the laws as well. You have to ask for clemency at some point, but you try to do things right as well. Yes, I, it's, a real, it's a real challenge. It is because it's been, the whole system has been abused 
for decades and decades. And here we have, we're on the back end of this thing and have all these illegal uh, individuals in the country. And, you know, it's a, it's a challenging thing. You know, I, I, my heart really goes out to that. But I, I, I got to tell you, I, don't have no, I have no idea how to really solve this other than to allow God to intervene here. But the government of the United States needs to stand ground, too. Well, that's so, what we'll talk about in the next segment. Let's do. Because it's yeah. not just the illegal immigrant that's here. It's also the illegal acts that are committed by oh, illegal immigrants it, it, here. Exactly. When you pay somebody under the table, you're oppressing that person. Oh, absolutely. You are flouting the law and you're lying to the government by not declaring that income. So think, it takes two to tango. Do you think Do you think we can solve the world's problems in the next segment? I'm ready. I've got 15 <laughs> minutes. I can okay. do it. Pastor yeah. Carlos. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And remember, I, I as a pastor, I got to play the different roles. I got to be John the Baptist and preaching in the wilderness. Understand. I got to be Jeremiah and working for the people and prosperity of the city. I have to be Elijah and believe for people's miracles. Thank you. I have to be, you know, uh, Isaiah and, and realize the spirit of the Lord is all upon me, right? And so I've been sent, I've been anointed and sent into the poor communities and the brokenhearted to proclaim the captives to be released, the prisoners to be freed. So I got to play all these different roles. And I think we need a system that, uh, that understands what we're trying to trying to do here and, and, and is going to get a job done. And so, as I mentioned just today, what, what's, what's happening in the political system, I think we're going to start traveling in the right, in, in the right direction. Yes. And so I'm very grateful for everything that's going on. Well, Pastor Carlos, thank you for joining us on this segment. I think there's a match lit now, and uh, uh, Esther Ruth Valdez and I are going to solve the world's problems in the next segment. So, uh, Pastor Carlos, thanks for joining us on this segment. Thank you for giving your insights and your heart cry for the Latino community. God bless you, and uh, bless you. it's Thank been you. a pleasure having you join us on this segment. And my Thank listening you, friends, Pastor. Thank uh, you very much for having me. Our pleasure. Esther Ruth Valdez and Kaz will be right back for fireworks. <laughs> More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Hi, San Diego. This is Pastor Larry Peltier of Beach Chapel, Encinitas. Lord, we pray for grace and favor for all of San Diego, all those who are homeless, who are sick, who need help. We just thank you, God. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Well, we're bub, bub, bubbling here and uh, come together, San Diego. And we've got a topic that is one that's really been dear to my heart, but I don't, I don't have a solution for it. And Esther Ruth Valdez, uh, attorney, and she's, uh, she loves the law and she loves people. She loves the scripture. And uh, I want you to get your, in, your take on this because you're very Latino flavored because you are one <laughs> Latina. And, uh, but, but as I was talking about uh, during the break, we've got, Problems with illegal Im- immigrants coming in. We've got uh, just being flooded by so many different things, legal and unlegal, illegal things. And I'm perplexed as a Christian to know exactly where to go. Share with us your insights on uh, why you think maybe God may be allowing this or what can be done to curtail. The, it, there is a problem, is it not? Well, as Christians, we know that God created nations and he created boundaries. Yes. And he created borders. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to protect your border. And I am one for enforcement, for law enforcement. Because, and walls, too, and, and more walls, necessary. Absolutely, because most of the Mexican immigrants that come to this country flee violence. And let's recall that CNN said that Mexico was the second most violent country in the world. So they are coming here for law and order. So there needs to be enforcement, and we need to end illegal immigration. 
How do we do that? By enforcing the laws that we already have. Yes. But when we can't just blame the illegal immigrant for coming here yes. when the government and the people have allowed it. If you look around here in San Diego, you go to eat at a restaurant, go to uh, stay at a hotel. Who's cleaning your hotel room? Who's making your burger or even your sushi or making that pizza? It is Mexican labor. In fact, the construction jobs right now, why is Hispanic unemployment at a record low at 3.4? It's the lowest in 40 years. Mm -hmm. Because we are in construction. We are manufacturing. We are in agriculture. So we're very much part of the fabric of this of this country. But what we have to do also is, as Christians, see what the Bible says about it. Yes. Why do we have 60 million Latinos here? Yes. Well, you know, you during the break, you uh, lodged an interesting perspective I had not heard before. You know, many of, much of it stems from uh, Roe versus Wade and the killing of innocent children and God's heart cry for for children. And uh, we're, we're suffering the consequences of allowing that law on the books. Tell, tell us your uh, in, in insights on that. I thought it was rather captivating. Well, I was born in 1973. And curiously enough, that is the year that Roe v. Wade was decided. And as a single mom, and part of my testimony is that I got pregnant when I was in law school. And I had that Roe v. Wade moment when I had to decide, am I going to give it all up for a child? She's going to cost me my dreams and my career. Or am I going to follow God's law? And thank God she's 20 years old. She's (laughs) alive now. And obviously I chose life. And the key verse to remember is when you choose life, God will bless you and the land. Because where there's children, there's economy, there's schools, there's diapers to be bought. Parents have to go to work. There's construction. We know that. There's social security um, that contributors. There's income tax players. That's everything we lost when 60 million children were killed since 1973 to the present. So you're but, saying that void that happened because of Roe versus Wade and the killing of innocent babies is filled is by replacement filled. workers. And that's a look God at the thing? Cens- look at the census numbers. How many Hispanic people are here in the United States? Close to 60 million. The exact same number as the babies that were killed here. What I'm saying is this. For the Lord, it doesn't matter what color that child is. And what we see on the news summer after summer are trains filled with children, unaccompanied minors, the the news call it, children, orphans who are coming, crossing our border, crossing streams because they're going to stay here in America because of our laws. It's called the Unaccompanied Minor Act of 2008, signed by President Bush, allowing them to stay here in the United States. Those children will grow up just like the children that we talked about from the last segment that were brought here by their parents unlawfully. They will grow up. They will serve in our military. They will become U.S. citizens. A lot of them want to be police officers. But even if you're against illegal immigration, you have to ask, who's going to fight our nation's battles in 20 years? Who's going to fight al-Qaeda when we have, if it wasn't for the immigrant population, we would have a negative birth rate like Germany and Italy? No question about the immigrant population, but the system is being abused and politicians uh, are, are hedging their bets on a number of different sides. And what happens is the, the, the nation is uh, being taken advantage of in, in many, in many areas. And it's, it's frustrating for me. You know, I'm a law-abiding citizen, and I see uh, the, the breach of law happening across the borders and things like that. And we, we know that uh, God wants to, you know, cause a nation to be godly. And so and that's we're what's awesome about our Attorney General Jeff Sessions because he is enforcing the law. He's saying, hey, if you come to this country, you can't ask for public benefits anymore. You don't get a green card. If you come to this country, you can't get public assistance anymore. And we've allowed it to happen for 30 years. So that's coming to an end. 
If you come to this country, you got to have a merit-based system. you got to speak the language. You have to have an advanced degree. So all of that's changing as we speak. Yeah. So in, a, in an effect, all of that um, desuetude, the lack of law enforcement that has happened for the last 30 years, it is coming to a rapid end. And the 7 to 8% of the criminal immigration population that is in the United States, they're going to have to leave yeah. because that's what their law enforcement means. They're going to have to leave and hopefully the end of the sanctuary state that we live in. Yes, yes. So in the two minutes that we have left in this segment, um, what would you like to see immediately happening uh, from a political standpoint, from a governmental standpoint, that will walk that delicate balance of being biblical and not violating American law? Easy. In the midterms, we hope we get a new governor, John Cox, <laughs> number one. That, that will cause revival in this state and this sanctuary city policy that only hurts immigrants because when somebody violates the law, they go back to the community where they're from, which is not La Jolla. It's not Coronado. Mm-hmm. It's the immigrant population and the immigrant um, communities. Yes. So starting from the top down, getting rid of our bad legislators and having godly people run for office, I ran for office. It was difficult. It is hard. I took a financial hit. I am busy. I have a law practice, but I said, no one's stepping up. I'm going to step up. And that's what we need, more Christians who are willing to make a sacrifice. If you look at the founding fathers, they made a sacrifice. They pledged their, their lives, their talents, their treasure to each other and to God and saying, even if it costs me, and for some it costs their lives, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to establish a legacy. And that's what I'm calling all of your listeners to do. It's like, Take the plunge. We know yep. it's hard, yep. but it's, you got to do it. Yeah, but so not only get out and vote, vote, but there's a lot of things that you can do running for a, an office. It can be an, an, an office you were involved in Coronado. Yes, I'm currently an office holder and I'm up for re-election. But more than that, if you don't want to run for office, then read God's word. Yep. Know what it says. Don't be listening and reading a Bible devotional and thinking that CNN's going to give you the political perspective. No, God has that text message for you. It's called the Bible. And if you read it, you get everything you need from abortion to sexual harassment to why we're elated over Judge Kavanaugh getting sworn in two hours ago. I'm going to go throw some ice right now. <laughs> Esther Ruth Valdez, you are fun and funny. And it's been a great joy having you on for this hour. You've stirred things up, and that's appropriate because that's what a firebrand does. So thank you for joining us on this hour. And uh, my my listening friends, we kind of set the stage. We talked about some poverty issues and people that have been downtrodden, that that we're going to be expanding that with our next guest. We're going to talk about the homeless in San Diego and solutions for that. But uh, Esther Ruth Valdez, thanks for joining me on this hour. What a blast. My pleasure. It was fun. (laughs) My listening friend, we'll be right back, and we're going to look at another side of the challenge of homelessness and uh, people that have been abused uh, by the system and themselves and uh, discover some solutions right in the midst of that. My listening friends, we will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas. FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world. Come Together San Diego with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Hey there, my friends. 
I'm sorry. I'm going through my notes and going, this is going to be such a remarkable segment. And there I go. I let the, the opening introduction go to blank, and I let 45 seconds of blanks. <laughs> no, that's not true. My listening friend, I'm excited to have our next guest You know, uh, on with me. Uh, my heart really goes out to the homeless people in San Diego County. You see them. And I've been in other states as well and in other cities, and they're all over the place. Bless their hearts. And sometimes it's hard to know exactly what to do with that. Honestly, the problem seems so really gigantic. And I want you to meet my longtime friend uh, and the head of the East County Transitional Living Center, Pastor Harold Brown. Harold, good to have you. Thank you for having me, Cass. I've been I've been excited about <laughs> visiting with you because you've always been a man of depth, but a man with heart. And, and uh, that really strikes me. You're a remarkable guy. I tell you that right up front. And so now I can ask you for money and borrow yeah. money from you? No. <laughs> All the glory goes to God. <laughs> so, Harold, you've been on both sides of this homeless issue, so you, you're a man who knows both sides of the equation, right. and God has put you in a place to take the scars that you've had through that experience and use them to impact other people's lives. Right. So tell us a little bit about that, that, you know, a little bit about the past yeah. so that we can spend most of our time talking about God's plans for the future. Well, growing up, I started using drugs at a very early age. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I was cocaine addict, alcoholic, um, <clears throat> heavy user of drugs. Came to San Diego uh, at 30 years old. Uh, got a job. I, I never had a problem getting a job, um, but, but I always had a problem with what to do with the money. Um, and, and I drank very heavily, um, used a lot of drugs. Uh, one night uh, a, after coming to San Diego homeless, um, went through Father Joe, uh, Father Joe's program, mm-hmm. uh, thirty-day program. It was it got me a job down at NASCO, the uh, shipyard, shipyard mm-hmm. pipe fitter. Um, made decent money, had an apartment. Uh, but one Friday night, uh, went out and got drunk, uh, blackout drunk. Didn't know what happened. Uh, woke up uh, up in the dormitory of the San Diego Rescue Mission. Uh, hung over. Uh, they brought me downstairs, gave me uh, my bag of clothes, which only had a pair of pants left in it. Right. Um, and I was a little irate about that. Um, didn't have my keys, my wallet, my shirt. They gave me a pair of shoes. They gave me uh, all the rest of the stuff. Brought me upstairs, and uh, I heard the gospel message for the first time. A guy got up and told me um, everything I had done in life and everything that he had done in life, and that if I walked out that door without receiving Christ, I would die, and I believed him. Um, I didn't leave for 11 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, because I believed him so much. Um, but I, I learned a lot about um, how to help homeless people yes. at the rescue mission. Now, now give us the fast forward about uh, what's going on right now in the East County Transitional Living Center. I visited there, visited with you. You showed shown me around. It's remarkable. But one of the things that really strikes me, are, are the heart of the people that are not only working there, mm-hmm. but you've had an opportunity to impact the people that are actually living there. I'm seeing Jesus all over the place. Right. It is the, it is the Word of God that will transform someone. Um, it's, it's not my genius, your genius, or anyone else's genius. It's God's Word. Um, we have to learn to live a disciplined life, uh, and, and that's the root of being a disciple is to be disciplined. But over the years, God showed me a, a, a way that, that to, to minister to people, to help these homeless folks get out of where they are and back into life, to actually start inspiring them to make good decisions. And at the East County Transitional Living Center, our program's a lot different than most programs. Yes. Um, we actually require people to work. Um, you have to go to work. And the scripture you mentioned is one I, I like to, if you don't work, neither should you eat. Right. You don't work, you don't eat. Wow. I mean, it's pretty, pretty profound. Um, it is profound, but, but, but it's, it's scriptural, and you're seeing it pay yeah. fruit. 
Yeah, I, I heard on the radio the other day, uh, one of the co-hosts on another show said, you know, the problem with most homeless people is they really don't want to work the 40, 60 hours a week it takes to, to feed themselves and have a, have a place to live. They've got into this position of just being enabled, being given everything, the government just handing things out to them. And, and they become comfortable staying where they are. So how do you deal with this? It sounds like this, you need to deal with this right in the front so that people yeah. don't get preconceived notions about what they're going to get away with or get. Right. Uh, and so how do you deal with this, especially with somebody who's indigent, uh, indigent mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. they don't know anything better than just looking for a handout because that's what they've been trained to right. do. How do, you, how do you deal with that up front using the gospel and God's love? Well, Jesus said it very plainly. He says, if you, if, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose your life. Um, you have to learn to pick up your burdens, pick up your cross, and learn to follow him. So one of the first things we tell people right away is you have to stop doing all of the nonsense you've been doing. Um, you literally have to stop. There's no such thing as quitting. Quitting is just an excuse to keep doing it maybe a little less. Mm-hmm. Or at um, least look like you're doing it a little less. like bit. you're doing it a little less. <laughs> For instance, you know, when people come to us, you have to stop smoking right away. Um, we we don't allow smoking. Mm-hmm. We don't allow drinking. We don't allow drugs. Um, one of the problems that, that we have dealing with the homeless, and, and, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, so I kind of know a little bit about it, <clears throat> is that we, we our country has decided that the best thing to do with a homeless person is stick them in an apartment as fast as you can put them in. And so, uh, you know, this whole model that they've come up with, with Housing First, I believe somebody needs to be housed first, but they need to be housed underneath rules. Yes, exactly. Uh, Everybody has to live by rules. Um, And and to think that we would just be so lawless that we would just stick somebody in an apartment, regardless of who's next to them on the other side, Mm -hmm. um, and and tell them that they can just go ahead and drink and drug and do whatever they want, and then pay their rent. Yep, and then Um, back on the street. And then somehow miraculously expect them to somehow or another pull themselves up by their bootstraps after a couple months and be able to make the fifth or sixth month's rent, it just doesn't work. Yes. It just doesn't work. And and in order to get this funds, all these millions of dollars that you hear about, uh, unfortunately, you have to be a Housing First program, which we are not. We are not a Housing First program. I am a program of discipleship. Um, when you come to us, you have to be willing to be disciplined and be discipled. Well, judging from the number of people that are going through your system, it seems to be working, and the Holy yes. Spirit is having His way. So, can you can you give me an example of a, you say transitional living center? Can you give me an example of a transition from someone recently without betraying a name, and and, and show how the gospel and and a, a heartfelt, godly man and woman that can counsel them and direct them can make sure. a major difference. Well, you actually, we actually transitioned 16 families in September um, from our center into apartments. Um, and, and we do that almost every month. Yes. Um, one, one fella comes to mind. He came to us with his girlfriend, and uh, he was very famous, famous fella, um, bass fisherman, world champion bass fisherman. And I know Art wouldn't mind me saying Art Berry, world champion bass fisherman. But he had lost his way, alcohol, drugs. He had totally lost everything. And this guy was famous. He was mm-hmm. on TV catching bass. He went through our program one year, one year through our program. Um, he, he got disciplined. Now he's, he's actually back out in the workforce uh, doing what he was doing, loving what he's doing, 
uh, fishing for Jesus, you know, uh-huh. uh, and, and teaching kids how to fish. Uh, he's also gotten a job. He's a, service, a sales manager at a local Ford dealership and just doing great. Mm-hmm. There's stories after stories after stories like this that, that we'll talk about tonight. Um, but I, I also want to give hope to somebody that might be listening to our show tonight. Um, you know, you might have a loved one that's out there. Um, mm-hmm. They're out there on the streets. I, I was out there on the streets for 15, 20 years. My family prayed for me. They, they didn't know where I was. Um, I was. I was lost. I was hopeless. Um, but here I am now, 30 years later, I've reconciled with the family. Um, I'm serving Christ. Yeah. So if you've got a loved one out there that's, that's homeless, that's into drugs and alcohol, keep praying for them. Yes, God will get a hold of them. And sometimes the way God works it is the very thing that was your weakness becomes your strength, and you actually use that to change other people's lives in that same manner, and that's remarkable. You know, I love your heart. I love how you work with people. Harold Brown, I, I, I think that we're going to be having some fun times together as we talk about the East County Transitional Living Center and you and God, how God is using you. But he's not using a person. He's not like puts you in a position that you're not qualified for. He's qualified you to do this. We're going to talk more about what that looks like. And my listening friend, you may have people that are your friends that are actually out on the street, and there is a sol- solution for that. There's hope. But you, you can also use some of the strategies that God is using here and how God changed Harold's life and put him into an environment where he has to take the skills he learned through a few scars here and there to impact other people. We're going to talk about those things and more when Harold Brown and Kaz come back. We'll be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Joel Lieberman from Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation. Lord, we just do lift up the entire region of San Diego from Vista to Chula Vista. Lord, it says in the Psalms, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We pray a spirit of unity over our city. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, Amen. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. And I'm back, and my friends, uh, we've got the East County Transitional Living Center, Pastor Harold Brown with us, and he's giving us some very wonderful wisdom and insight. You know, there's really a level of hopelessness as a, I would call it a constant companion with many of the San Diego homeless. Where do they go? What do they do? And they just don't have a clue, but they don't have the resources to find that out. Yeah. So, so, first question I ask for you, Harold, is what is what, what would be a profile of a homeless person? How in the world did they get there, and uh, what can be done about it? So, start with the profile of a homeless person. Yeah, many people um, we don't understand exactly how did somebody get to that position, but <laughs> the people that are thinking that way are probably one or two paychecks away from the same place. Wow. Um, you know, we're all told to have so much money in reserves and so much savings, but Americans don't really do that very mm-hmm. well. Um, and so a lot of these folks, uh, especially a lot of the single moms, probably 80% of, of my families that come through the center are single moms with a couple of kids. And um, we have a tremendous problem with, with fatherhood and with, with dads being dads. But, you know, a, a, a traumatic situation happened. We have post-traumatic stress syndrome happening all around us. So you would say, would you say that when there's, you know, every, many families are just one traumatic experience away yeah. from being homeless? Yeah, sure. I mean, your transmission goes out, and you've got to spend $3,000 on a transmission. You can't get to work. You don't get to work. 
you're, you're trying to figure out, well, how am I going to pay for this transmission and get to work? You're doing the bus, you're doing this, you miss, miss your job, you lose your job. Now you're 60 days away from being evicted. Mm-hmm. Um, that 60 days goes by real fast. You, you still don't have any way to get a job. Now you're trying to get a job, and the next thing you know, you're on the street uh, with your kids. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, it can happen very quickly uh, to, to people. Not everybody that's, that's on the street is in that situation. We, we, we have a lot of people who choose to live that way. We have a lot of travelers that are coming through San Diego people that have decided to just be the, the old gypsies. You know, mm-hmm. they, they like to live like that. Um, and, and they've they've kind of come into San Diego, and they'll go out of San Diego. Um, but but mostly the, the folks that we deal with are people that come from here. They live here. Uh, and and they've, they've fallen on hard times. Um, and, and so we open up our doors and, and ask them to come in. Uh, and you've got a beautiful place. facility in East County. Yeah, we, I've been there. We took a, it's an interesting thing. We took an old 101-room motel. Was that the motel? It was seven? a Fabulous 7 motel. Fa- fabulous 7. And next uh-huh. door to it was Aunt Emma's Pancake Breakfast, and we transitioned that into our conference center where we teach all of our, our, our lessons. We actually feed 400,000 meals a year out of that kitchen. We train in uh, culinary arts through the kitchen. Everything that somebody does when they come into our program, you will start to do work therapy training. You'll get assigned a position to do. You'll do your job. You'll report to your job. Most homeless people, if you just give them a job right away, they're going to fail. They don't have the ability to succeed, um, especially if they don't have a place to live. They don't have a phone. They don't have other things. And it'll just be another long line of failures that they've they've happened. So when we bring a, a person in off the street, we have to work them through the programs and get them ready to go back to work. Sure. Now, dude, let me ask you, do you ask them, you, you want to find out what their levels of interest are sure. or, or their items of interest because those may be profitable items of interest or skill sets or habit or, or, or you know, hobbies. So if they, if they have something yeah. that can translate into, you know, making some money, you want to spend some yeah. time on that as well. Yeah, of course. We, we, we find out what, what skills they had and we, we try to work towards getting them back to it. But we run, um, basically, I'm probably the only program in, in San Diego that takes single dads, uh, with kids. Um, but we have families and we have singles. Um, we, we, we operate these programs. Um, interestingly enough, 80% of our funding comes from the program members going out and doing work. Say that again, because that is very, yeah. it's very important to realize that it's not, you're not looking for, you are not looking for the handout no. from other organizations or, no. or individuals. You can be self-sufficient right. by the people that are actually being right. helped there. One of the things that we wanted to establish when we established the program is not to have to send out all those color glossy, give me money, give me money, mm. give me money, give me money. Um, we, we love to have donations. We want people to see the good ground and because if you sow seed in good ground, you're going to get a return. Yes. However, you know, all of our people work their way to success, and, and you will continue to work your way to success as you succeed through life, and you have to start somewhere. If you're just given things and given things and given things, you don't, you don't respect them and you don't take care of them and you, you wait for the next handout. Mm-hmm. So we don't provide the handout, you know, the old cliche, we provide a handout, but we actually do that. Um, we require that you're going to go to work. So, you, you, you know, it sounds like you're fairly disciplined on what yeah. people have to do and they, they don't. Well, what happens when they accidentally make a mistake on something? <laughs> you give them some grace on that, but if they're doing this on purpose, then you can scope that out. But it's, it's hard for you, isn't it? It's hard for you to put them back out on the street. But 
they're they're making their own decision, I guess. Yeah, I never kick anybody out. People kick themselves out. You know, Explain by, what that by, means. By doing the wrong things. Everybody knows the rules. When you come in, you know the rules. Um, and, and, and we mandatory drug test. We, we do all of those things. And if you break the rules, uh, depending on what program you're in and what your situation is, you may go back a phase. We have four phases. We work people through a year-long program. And maybe you didn't get something in the first phase. So we're going to send you back to the first phase. Okay, first phase. What does, explain yeah. that briefly. First phase for men's and w- women, you will, you will go out of Dodge, as we say. You'll go up to Del Zura to our men's center. Uh, it's a 12-acre ranch uh, up in Del Zura. And the men will spend 90 days up there. Our ladies will go to a 10-bedroom house, uh, undisclosed location uh, in San Diego because a lot of them are domestic violence uh, gals. Um, and they'll spend the first 90 days there. After that 90 days, they transition back to the main center and do their second, third, and fourth phase. It, it all works together, building and building them up through discipleship. Uh, we introduce them to God. It, it is Bible immersion for, for, for the first 90 days. Um, I, I like to jokingly say, you know, we, we wake up at 6.30 in the morning with devotions, 9 o'clock Bible study, 1 o'clock Bible study, <laughs> 5 o'clock Bible study, and there's usually a 7 o'clock something going on. And so in the course of 90 days, you're going to get about five, six years of church. Uh, <laughs> and that's if you're a, a regular attender, you know, on a Wednesday and a Sunday. You know, some people don't go to church that often anymore. But you, you literally will get the Word of God infused into you because it's the Word of God that transforms a person. It, it's not programs. It's, it's not psychological stuff. It is the Word of God that changes a person. Exactly. If the heart's not changed and a new spirit's not put in, then, you know, the, the, the person can get cleaned up. We have a lot of little cute idioms. I can put a, 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 a bow on a pig, but when I let him go, he's just going to go back in the mud. Yes. So we have to change the person and, and teach them how to make those right choices. Families are a little different. Families come to our, our system and, and go into our programs, and they're there, and they have kids. And one of the things that's great about families is kids are a great restrainer. Um, on a daily basis, I have over 125 to 140 children on site. That's anywhere from newborn all the way up to 17 years old. They're all required to be in preschool, school, high school. We work with all the schools and make sure that they're all in school. So, so we, let me ask you, is that a challenging thing for you? Are the, are the uh, schools willing to, to, to work with you on that? What is the complexion of that? I mean, is it varied or? No, we've had a great relationship with the Cone Valley School District and the Grossmont High School District. Um, they understand what we're doing. Yes. Um, they actually have Parenting University, which is sponsored by Cone Valley School District. They come and teach the parents how to sit down with their kids and do homework because they all have Chromebooks. And a lot of our folks don't know about Chromebooks. They, 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 they weren't through school. We do GED for the parents because the, a lot of the parents don't have GED. They don't have high school diploma. I can't get them a good job unless they have a high school diploma. So we are a full wraparound uh, ministry that helps them go from from total hopelessness to to to, to, to hope in Christ, mm-hmm. but with jobs and, and and in in permanent housing. So the families are a little different, and we have zero tolerance. Uh, I, I, I we work with CPS all the time. I'm a mandate reporter. You you come in with your kids and you start doing drugs up in your room, you're going to lose your kids, and you're probably going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, you're certainly going to be out on the streets. Well, but discipline people think that as being a, a negative thing, but it's, it's train up a child in the way they should go, and they, when they're older they shall not depart yeah. from it. But sometimes there's a child, childlike 
childish mentality yeah. sometimes in this kind of environment, and you have to introduce them to godly principles and say, and here's what we do and here's what we will not accept. Right, right. And, and we teach them that every single day. Mm-hmm. Every day you're in Bible studies. Every day you have a full curriculum that you're, you're responsible to turn in. We do case management on, on every single one uh, of the people that come in. We have case files on them. I have a really neat partnership with, with a bunch of different organizations, one being um, our, one of our board members, Charlie Long, is a, a marriage family therapy um, professional. He's a Ph.D. Um, he has six counselors that are going through their master's program for marriage family therapy. And in order to get their master's program, they have to have about 3,000 hours of practicum counseling. And there's no better place in the world to get practicum counseling than yeah, at the it, East County in, Transitional in, in Living environment Center. environment like that, I yes. mean, uh, these counselors spend about four or five months with us as they go through their, their practicum counseling time. And when they're done, they've not only helped people get through their problems with marriage, with family problems, and, and have the therapy that they need on a Christian basis, uh, but they're probably going to have a lot easier time when they leave us mm-hmm. to go out into the world so and, speaking and of, in practice. You know, leaving you, and so how do you deal with inviting people to come in? I know you probably have very, very tight limitations on who you can, how many people you can deal with, but one of the things we said off the air is, well, have them at least talk to us and let's see sure. if we can help. People can call anytime. Uh, our phone number is 619-442-0457. You can find us on the World Wide Web at www.ectlc.org. Um, give us a call if you have somebody that's struggling. We can, we can help you out. Uh, I always have room for single men, single women, always. <clears throat> we don't turn any single men, single women away. Um, but I don't always have room for families. Yes. In fact, I have a, uh, about 100 family waiting lists to come into our programs. Um, so we do uh, encourage you to come down if you're a single mom, single dad, you have kids, you're living in your car. You might be listening to this show right now, living in your car, and, and you're wondering what to do. You can come out to 1527 East Main Street in El Cajon and come on into the East County Transitional Living Center. Do an intake with us. Let us get your phone number. And when a room opens and you hit your name on the list, we'll call you and we'll get you in. Now, it seems to me that when you made, you made a comment that you just don't turn away sing, single men and single women, that it sounded like that was a heart cry of yours because you've, you've been there and you've seen, yeah. seen things going on. Why were you so emphatic about that? Well, single men, single women, I always have room. I can put them on the floor. <laughs> I don't have a problem with yes. that. We, you know, somebody that's there can literally, and we wouldn't put the person coming in on the floor. I'd say, well, and the disciples, get on the floor and, and, and give your bed up, because that's part of being a Christian. There it's, you go. That's is, very is, good. Right. We, we learn to, to give. Um, but with families, it's different. I, I can't take a family and put them in with other people. That, that they're, they're, they have to be placed correctly, because mm-hmm. there's children involved. Sure. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things we're doing, we can talk about in the next segment maybe, is, is we're going to expand. Um, so I might bring 40 more families, maybe 50 more families. Let's talk about it in the next segment, yeah. about expanding. My friend, yeah. uh, God wants to expand his kingdom, and he wants to expand uh, people that have a ministry to expand their ability to deal with this in a greater way. We're going to talk a little bit more about expansion with uh, my very good friend, uh, Pastor, I call him Pastor Harold Brown or Harold Brown. He 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 goes by either yeah. with the East County Transitional Living Center. My listening friends, stay tuned because we'll be right back. 
You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hello, San Diego. This is Rick Sines from uh, Red Seal Ministries. I just bless you and ask you just to receive the love of the Lord at this time, uh, this open season we have in San Diego. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And thank you very much. Uh, time to throw you a scripture, and it's one we've referred to earlier in this uh, hour. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, If a man will not work, neither should they eat. That's a, uh, that's a captivating scripture. Uh, we've you thought about that uh, oftentimes when we go out uh, and minister with other people. And uh, Harold Brown from the East County uh, Transitional Living Center is with us. And, you know, but a lot of people just ha- have it in their mind that they just do not want to work for this and that they're looking for a free handout. Yeah. And so that attitude and the East County Transitional Living Center don't coalesce. However, obviously, your strategy of uh, putting people to work and, and showing them to be, uh, you know, using their skill set as a blessing through God, from God to them, to other people, right. that's working because now you're looking to expand because you've got a lot of needs there. You've got a wonderful complex, but you're looking to expl- expand. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, one of the things in all of our programs is is, is that, you know, if if you don't work, you don't eat. The interesting thing is the homeless people work really hard to be homeless. Uh, they really do. Um, if you watch some What does that them, mean? I mean, you watch somebody pushing a cart up and down the street and trying to figure out where you're going to sleep at night. It's tough. It is hard to so be So they homeless. have to be kind of a— It, it is not easy being homeless. Yeah. And a homeless woman is just a tragedy. Um, she is in danger all of, all all day long and all night long. And so, you know, they're not necessarily lazy people. And so when they do come in, it's not difficult to show them back to work. Right, to transition that pushing the cart uh, and uh, trying to find a place to live to actually doing things that are more fruitful and profitable. And so what we did is we developed some programs and and partnerships um, with with not only um, for-profit companies but nonprofit companies where – where we will put people back to work. I have a partnership with the downtown partnership in El Cajon, where we do the clean and safe downtown. We clean all the sidewalks. We pressure wash the sidewalks. We we set the stage up on Friday nights. We close the streets down on Wednesdays and set the car show up. We're going to be doing uh, you know all the different uh, festivals that we're, we have coming up with them. Uh, we did American on Main Street. We're going to do the the parade, the Mother Goose parade. We'll have 40, 50 volunteers out there helping. Uh, set all of that up all the time, and we get funding from the downtown partnership for helping that. The people don't get paid, but they go to work, mm-hmm. you know. And the ministry receives the funds for it. We do concessions over at SDCCU Stadium. We we send groups out to 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 go to um, spring training games. We we work the con- the concession stands. The the program members get front of the house, back of the house, cashier. You get the full you know get grasp of of retail. Um, training while you're doing this, and the ministry gets 12% of whatever the stand makes. Mm-hmm. And so it behooves us to teach them how to do it right, exactly. um, or, or we wouldn't get what we can get. Um, we do the 100-foot uh, defensible space out in the East County. The guys go out with weed whips, and they weed whip. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing I tell people is, you know, guys sweat it out, 
girls talk about it. <laughs> so, so, you know, a lot of counseling sessions with the girls. The girls that come in, they're very broken. They're beaten down. Sure. They're, 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 they've been abused, and they need a lot of closer counseling. The guys, you just, you know, get them out there get and get them there. sweating. So how, uh, on your staff, how many do you have that are uh, the female staff workers that can help the females? Um, we have uh, five female staff. I only have 14 full-time staff members. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I did when setting up this program is is identified probably 30 positions that I could have hired um, that other programs probably do hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and you, you, you hire them in other programs because you, you worry about insurance. You worry about, you know, all kinds of things. I don't worry about that. I trust God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I give those positions there so somebody can can become that supervisor, can be that driver, can come up into that position. I mean, we feed 400,000 meals a year out of three kitchens, and I have one paid uh, full-time culinary arts person. And so part of the things that you're doing is you're training up other people to these into these positions so yeah. that it's a, a marketable skill set, and they can translate that elsewhere. And when you have to move on, you yeah. have to train your replacement. Oh my, that is good. And that's so that's good. that's how they they progress on through. And mm-hmm. so if you know you're, you're in a certain position, we ask you to find the person that's gonna that's gonna that's, that's, so that's gonna take your place. And so we've kept the the overhead way down, um, and, and and we we operate this um, at a really tight budget, and we want to expand uh, because the homeless problem is so great. And I've got. 80 to 100 families on a waiting list. When you say expand, can you use the existing property? Some yes. of it has not been developed yet. Yeah, Explain have, what that looks like. We have quite a bit of property on the backside going go, uh, on the backside of the property up in El Cajon at the East County Transitional Living Center. I currently, and, and I ask your listening audience to pray with us, October 16th, we go before the Planning Commission to get approval to build two dormitories. These two dormitories will house 100 single men, single women. And right now, those those single men and single women are residing in 40 of the motel of the 101 motel rooms. So what we will do is we will move those 40, those 100 single disciples into the dormitories, and then we will fix the motel rooms up and and convert them into family units. Mm-hmm. A family, you know, can be a single mom and one kid, and and a single mom and a, and one child can share a room with another single mom and a I child. See. And so I can I can maybe get 40 or 50. 60 families in 40 rooms because yeah. a family unit is, is doesn't necessarily a husband wife with five kids. So how do you deal with that's how do you deal with uh, child care when the when the mom or the parent has we to We have what's work? called parenting co-op. Um, I have a whole facility which 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 allows the parents and we have uh, actually have the parents have their own board and they meet weekly. And, and they decide who's going to take care of whose kids and who's going to watch the kids while they're at different appointments. And they set up their own schedule. I provide a safe, clean space for them to do it, and they do their parenting co-op. So do you have oversight? Because, I mean, somebody has to have some pretty solid organizational skills to make that happen. But you, you discovered that these people have the goods? They do. Um, you know, you teach them to parent, and they parent. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. It's, it's kind of, you know, they're adults, you know, and if it's, it's true. You know, if you, te- if you treat somebody like a kid and they're an adult, they're going to act like a kid. Yeah. If you treat them like an adult, they act like an adult. That's right. And so we've learned this over the years that, you know, they're adults. They're, they're kids. They, they actually can do these things, and they, they, they can accomplish uh, what we ask them to do. So this is a wonderful plan to, for expansion, and uh, part of that funding is going to come from well, we've actually raised probably 75% of the funds to, to do the building project. 
we're looking to raise some more funds to to do the the, the room conversions when that happens, and, and we're asking for donations to do that. Um, we're also uh, looking for um, funding um, for our operational stuff. Uh, we, we're we're getting ready to have our, our our annual dinner up at Skyline Church on November eighth. Uh, we if if you are own a company and you have some type of a auction item you'd like to. To, to give us, that'd be great. If you'd like to sponsor the event, you can get a hold of us and uh, love to have you as a sponsor. Um, but we will be inviting about 400 of our donors. At Skyline and, and Church? At Skyline Lisa. Church, yeah. Um, so it'll be an invitational dinner, um, and they'll come and we'll highlight some of the families that we've been successful with. Uh, Pastor Jim Garla will be there to mm-hmm. uh, welcome us. And, and so it's going to be a great thing. Um, one of the cool parts about the building thing that we have going on is um, we built a building in 2006 in 12 hours and 12 minutes. And, and literally, we poured the foundation and we built the building, which, which is part of our offices now. And we have 40 or 50 contractors that have pledged their, <clears throat> their, 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 their gifts and, and their workers. And when we actually build these two buildings, we're not going to use any government money. Uh, and we're going to build them in 12 hours. And so we will lay the foundations, and then three or 400 professional contractor workers and their, their companies will descend upon our facility, and we'll let you know when that's going to happen. We think it's going to be in the spring, mm-hmm. and we will literally build these two buildings in 12 hours. Oh, my, 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 uh, my. Done. Yes, Electric yes. on, water oh running, finished. That's amazing. Um, and, and, you know, what we want to do is we really want to show – how a nonprofit can work with the with the community, work with builders, uh, and get something done uh, without having to, to rely upon tax dollars. That's true. But you know, he, my listening friend, what you're hearing here is an ingenious strategy for bringing hope to the homeless and uh, giving them not only a place to live but also a vision for their future and to train them up in the ways that they can actually make money. And so, so one of the things, but part of this, the big part of it is sharing Christ with them. Right. And so let me ask you this question. What's the conversion rate? I mean, if somebody goes, this, this person hasn't accepted the Lord through the whole program, what do you do? Uh, they're fine. They, they can be there. We, the, only, the only individuals that we don't accept into our program are registered sex offenders. Yes. I, I can't have them. If yeah. you have to register for, for, your, your, for where you live, you can't be with me. So, I, I have no other acid test of, of, of whether or not you're going to be converted or not. You don't, so, it's just not a visible mark that comes no, up. No, that's good. But in your sense of, of these mm-hmm. many, many people that not only go through your system, a, a pretty decent percentage actually. Yeah, it's, it's the old adage, you know, if you're in a barbershop, you're probably going to get a haircut. <laughs> you know, so think about it. I mean, if you're there for a year and you have listened to hundreds of Bible studies, the Word of God does not return void. That's right. But it does accomplish that which God sends it forth to accomplish, and it does. It transforms the person. Well, it may take a month. Right. It may take six months. It may be right at the last Bible study that person yeah. listened to, and bam, it but happens. They, but by virtue of living the lifestyle, that's a, a pretty good testimony. That's a pretty good uh, ministry tool in, as, as well. My listening friend, we've got to take a break, but we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on. Uh, at the East County Transitional Living Center with uh, Pastor Harold Brown. And give me the website one more time. That's www.ectlc.org. Wait a minute. Isn't that East County Transitional Living Center? Oh, it's amazing (laughs) what you did there. (laughs) Pastor Harold Brown and Kaz will be right back. 
This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Well, you know, my friends, the uh, the hours go pretty quickly around here. We're just talking about that with uh, Pastor Harold Brown of the East County Transitional Living Center. We've talked a little bit about a, 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 an amazing ministry that he has that is transforming lives and giving people hope where they were homeless and hopeless. And one of the topics that we want to spend time on this last segment on is you may have somebody who's a homeless person or you you know you know somebody who has somebody who's a homeless person. Yeah. What do you do about that? And so there are some practical things that uh, people can do. And you know your, your outreach or your ministry at East in East County Transitional Living Center uh, may play a role in that. So why don't you take it away here? Yeah, one of the most it. difficult things for people to do is is give that tough love to to a, to a family member or somebody who's who's wrapped up in drugs and alcohol. And what I say about tough love is is you have to tell them to leave. You have to tell them that you can't live here anymore. Um, and when you do that, you're actually helping them. You're, you're not hurting them. Um, by allowing them to stay in your house, destroying your house, destroying your life, doesn't help them. So let me, let, let me do the uh, scenario here. So mm-hmm. somebody's abuse, you know, they're abusing their d- d- drugs or some mm-hmm. alcohol or something like that, and the family says, we can't have this because it's ruining the family. Right. So you say you're going to have to leave. Do, do, the, do these people that say you have to leave, do they have in the back of their mind the East County Transitional Living Absolutely. Center or should they? Yes. So, so it's basically yes. handing the person off to you. <laughs> right. Now, what kind of uh, attitude will the person that's coming into there have a big chip well, on their Well, it all depends. Um, you know, if you, sometimes you can have a family meeting and bring them together and, and, and convince them, so to speak. You know? But a lot of times you just have to tell them, hey, there's a place you can go. And, and here's the information. Do sometimes they storm out and say, I don't need that. Sure. They're gone. Sure, sure they're gone. Um, but, they, but they heard where yeah. they can go. Um, but, you know, that tough love situation, and, and pray for them, continue to pray for them. I, you know, my heart goes out for, for every mom and dad that, that, that struggles over this because I, I talk to them every day. Um, they call me and say, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You know, it's, 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 I can imagine what my mom went yeah. through for 20, 20 years when, when I was gone. She so didn't some, know where I was. Sometimes these things are drug-related. Yeah. Generally, are they drug or uh, alcohol abuse-related yeah. mostly? Yeah. Mostly, yeah. mostly, yeah. And so how, how does a person, uh, when they're asked to leave the house or forced to leave mm-hmm. the house, how do they have the mental facility to be able to put together the logic of coming, coming and visit with you? Or does that happen in a moment of being lucid? Or how, how does that look? What does that look like? Well, all they have to do is walk in the front door. I mean, it's not difficult to come to us, uh, mm-hmm. but but it can be the most difficult thing they ever do because they have to humble themselves. There you go. You know, if you humble yourself, God will will lift you up. But we see this every day. Uh, people come in every day. We do, you know, maybe fifteen, twenty intakes a day, and of those people that come in, some of them only stay a few hours before they decide to go back out. But they came. And and maybe a day or two later, there they are again. Yes. You know, they kind of figured out. Well, geez, it's kind of cold out here. It's going to be getting a little colder now. Uh, rain's going to start hitting us. We hope, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the people will start coming in. Um, and, and our doors are open for them to come in. So, how do you deal in a situation where you just have an overabundance of people? and not quite enough space. How, how, how do you deal with that? How, do you have to turn people away? Well, families, we, we, we do every day. We, we, we have to turn families away, and it breaks my heart. That's yes. why we want to build these buildings. That's where I'm, I'm, I'm 
really asking for your prayers that we make it through planning and then through building. Um, and and if you can help us to do that, we'd love to. If you want to volunteer and come down and help, there's lots of volunteer opportunities we have at East County Transitional Living Center. Um, but, but, you know, the, it, it really is heartbreaking when somebody comes in and they want to come in, they have kids, and I don't have a place for them. Um, I always have room for the single men, single women. I've never been in a place where I didn't have room. We have a huge sanctuary. I can I can put people on cots. I, I send I send forty disciples annually over to spring training, so I have blow up mattresses. <laughs> you know, we send them over with with air mattresses, so we can we can deal with 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 quite a few single men and single women at any one time. Um, but but the families is the difficulty, which is why we want to expand our services yes. to families. And you can you you said you can raise that. Uh, that facility quickly quickly 12 hours we're going to build it in 12 hours it's going to be quite a thing um we'll certainly get out there on the news and let everybody know it's happening um but you know it, it, it's watching a, a barn raising we're going to raise two barns basically yes. and uh and they'll be fully furnished and ready to go and and we'll be able to move those disciples over and they are disciples which mm-hmm. is one of the differences of of our our programs at, at east county transitional living center there's not too many places where you can come and actually talk to people who are going through it. But mm-hmm. if you come and visit me for a tour, I'll walk you around. We'll walk right into rooms, uh-huh. and you'll talk to some of the people. And you'll see that people are actually very happy to be yes. there. They're getting yes. their lives turned around. They're getting transformed. They have hope. They know because they've seen other people transition out successfully. Yes. So, uh, Pastor Brown, when we say the name East County Transitional Living Center. Are there any restraints or restrictions from somebody coming from somewhere other than East County? No, there isn't. I, I and I know, I know that you know the thing of homelessness is 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 you know if if you're in the East County and you're at the East County Transitional Living Center and you're homeless, guess what? You're homeless in East in in East County. Most of the people that come to us are from the East County. Yes. There's very few people that come from out of state or anything no. like that to come to us. I said, but, you know, but the homeless people are very transit. And with the trolley and everything else, people come and go. Um, but, but families are, are, are the thing that really breaks my heart. I mean, mm-hmm. we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. When, when, they do the, when they do the point in time count, they really don't count all the homeless people um, because there's people sleeping in their cars. Uh, there's people, they're, they're hiding because that's what they do. And then during the day, they get up, get in a car, and they drive mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, um, hundreds and hundreds of families are homeless tonight, listening maybe to this show. Sure. Um, and if you're listening and you're homeless and you have kids in your car, please make your way over to the East County Transitional Living Center at 1527 East Main Street in El Cajon and do an intake with us. Get on our list. We want to help you. Uh, the first 28 days of your stay, if you're a family, is paid for. Um, we have grants that, that, that pay for that. Um, and uh, we are actually looking for matching fund grants. Uh, I have a, a grant from the Copley Foundation, a $50,000 grant that's matching money um, for our emergency shelter program. And so every dollar that you would donate towards the emergency shelter program will be matched by the Copley Foundation. And, and $100,000 will, will actually house uh, about 12 families a month for about five months. My. Um, and, and that's incredible when you think about, you know, 12 families consisting of about 50, 60 kids that won't be homeless, yeah. that'll be getting trained, discipled, getting back into life, 
um, for $100,000. And I, I listen to the millions and hundreds of millions of dollars that the government is 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 using yes. to try to solve this problem. And I, not I, wisely. I, not wisely. Yes. Come, out, come out and I'll show you. I, <laughs> I, I would invite any government official in any county supervisor or anybody who wants to come out. I'll show you what works. Yes, yes. My listening friend, I hope this is stirring your heart. And one of the things that I'm mentioning in passing, one of the things that you mentioned to me was supplies. I mean, if you if you go yes. to if you go to a Costco or something <laughs> like that and you buy stuff like toilet paper right, or paper right. towels and things like that, buy you know buy a few Please. extra, just drop them by yep. and they will put be put to great use. Great use. Not? <laughs> I, when I give tours, I, I I take people into one room and I say, "This is the gold room," and then I'll pull out a, a roll of toilet paper. And I say, this is gold. <laughs> oh so my. please, uh, we need everything you can imagine: uh, work clothes, uh, work boots, professional clothes for interviews. Um, please bring them, drop them off with yes. tax deductible receipt and all of that. Harold Brown, my friend and pastor for many years, we've yeah, kind of we've known each been, other for a long time. We have indeed <laughs> with the East County Transitional Living Center, my friend. It it bears looking into not only it would be fun just for you to look into it and see what they do, whether you have that need or not, because Come in the future, tour. who knows. Yeah. Come on Who out knows? take a tour. So my listening friend, we, we've just really enjoyed our time with Pastor Harold Brown and uh, his vision, and God's making a difference through him. And, you know, he, God wants to make a difference through you. Whatever God's vision for you is, he can use that to change lives as he has done with Pastor Harold Brown, my friend. God bless you, Harold, and, and your your vision for, for East County Transitional Center, uh, Living Center. Uh, once again, the, the website, and then we'll say adieu. It's www.ectlc.org, and our phone number is 619-442-0457. Harold Brown, God bless you, man. My listening friend, I hope this has stirred you up and gives you a vision for what God can do to you and through you. Next week, we're going to talk about a number of other things, but uh, we're always Pleased to have you as we come together at San Diego. Harold Brown, Kaz Taylor saying so long. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.